All right, it's day four or five, depending on your point of view, a spiel 2016. And I came over to the Sierra Madre games booth to finally meet uh, the esteemed uh, Phil Eklund. So Phil, thank well, you for coming. thank you for stopping by, Ed. <laughs> I, so, so has it been a good spiel for you? Yes, it's been a very good spiel. We're very excited. I mean, I'm sold out of BIOS Genesis. It's kind of took me flat-footed, however. This is a game about biochemistry intended for pretty heavy nerds. And I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't really expect uh, the outpouring of um, interest that actually uh, surrounded this, this particular game. So something that I've learned over the course of the last year of reviewing all these heavier games, that the market is growing exponentially when it comes to the heavier aspect of the hobby, which is awesome for designers and publishers like yourself, uh, uh. as well as us heavy gamers, because there's more and more heavy games coming out. So you want to uh, take a minute and talk about BIOS Genesis in particular? And, and like you said, it's, it's for us heavy game nerds. It's, yeah, it's a nerd game. It's a nerd game. but. The only thing I can conclude from this is nerds are coming out of the woodwork everywhere. This is what I'm. Uh, uh, I think they they'll rule the world, and, uh, and that's sort of what this game is about: um, taking a lifeless planet, freshly evolved as an afterthought out of the interplanetary disk in the very early solar system uh, four and a half billion years ago and um, seeing uh, what kind of conditions it would be that it could actually form life on such an unpromising place. The first three turns are in the Hadean Aeon and these, this is when the crust was partially molten and maybe there were some pools of water around but not much at all, and volcanoes from meteors not very promising. In these first three turns, the players are just going to be trying maybe to generate catalysts, or they may try to do life, and we've seen some life even from the Hadians survive. But the players are going to be four different colors, each representing a different quality of life. You've got red for metabolism, blue for reproduction. Uh, those are the traditional qualities of life, metabolizing and, and reproducing. But I also have uh, yellow for the cellularization, um, separating it into a cell or a capsule, life versus non-life, emptying the garbage. And finally, energy management, uh, pigmentation of cell, distributing solar energy that impinges. So each of these four players will have a vital role in creating life so the game can be played either cooperatively or competitively or solitaire. You also have the latest of the PAX series, I guess you could call it, starting with uh, PAX Porfiriana, PAX Premier, uh, and now PAX Renaissance, as well as Kyber Knives, the expansion for, uh, for PAX, PAX Premier. Premier. Yes. Um, so are you surprised at the popularity of those as well? I am. I mean, PAX Porfiriana was a sleeper hit for me. I didn't, and it took off, and I didn't expect that. So yes, that was a surprise. And um, PAX Premier, designed by Cole Weary, um, that worked astonishingly well, uh, well too. 
Um, one thing Premier did was pioneer ways to address three arenas of play, Ed. Yeah. So you have a market where you have tokens and pieces, and you can, um, uh, you know, manipulate speculations and the like in the market. You have the map, or even military actions, um, and campaigns and the like. And then you have the tableau, where the spies are maneuvering around in Pax Premier. But in the Renaissance, these are the Inquisitions, the guys in red that nobody expects and um, <laughs> come around and burn things and the like. So yes, uh, the Pax Premier, the brilliant thing about Pax Premier was it was able to balance those three arenas. And so um, I've been trying for years, uh, Matthew and I, my son, the co-designer and I have been trying for years to try to get this to work. Um, but using the PAX Premier elements, we are able to balance the three arenas um, which are present in Renaissance like they are in Premier. But it's very much its own animal. It's, it's Oh, it's its own animal, sure. It takes a lot from PAX Porfiriana as well. Very cool. So in your former life, you were literally a rocket scientist, right? Yes. Well, technically an aerospace engineer uh, working on the SDD, STI um, Star Wars program. Right. So the way you go about thinking about your games stems from that. But in the end, why did you start designing games? Why, why did you want to do this hobby? Well, like so many, um, I just happened to stumble across. I, I love games. I played Milton Bradley and Hasbro, and and every game I got, I tinkered with. I said, oh, I want this. No, this is stupid. I want to do this. So, and then I began publishing my own games, just Xeroxing them off for my friends and the like, and the, we had Outer Space, Star Trek. We had... Um, Oh, I don't know, biplanes, dogfighting and stuff. <laughs> so um, my first really serious heavy cardboard game, I would say it was, I think was 1914. Um, so a lot of cardboard in this. And, <laughs> and it was kind of a, uh, it was sort of was unpromising. It was, it was just as stagnant as uh, World War I was. But nevertheless, uh, I branched off from there. and was playing a lot of games and but uh, eventually after publishing enough games off the Xerox I decided to incorporate and that was I mean I think I incorporated 1992 so and um, I was still as you say a rocket scientist but um, in the dark of night, you know, or whatever, <laughs> right. I'd, be, I'd be sweating over details on a game that I'd be uh, printing out. And, and so, and then just a few years ago, 2010, um, uh, I got married to a German, and um, like three years ago, um, I got, uh, I moved to Germany, and um, Germany's been great for the board game industry. And, um, Oh God! In in America, um, board games are, are they're, they're good, but they're kind of in the eclipse by the computer games. And 
at the conventions. Um, you might have uh, all the computer games, have all the lights, neon, booth space, sure. and whatever. Yeah, 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 You're yeah. in a little dark corner there. And, you know, maybe some people will stop by or something. But uh, So, yes, this is... Um, this was a big decision to take retirement from the rocket industry after 35 years and to move to Germany, and I work on games full-time now. So your earlier games, stuff like Lords of the Sierra Madre and such, some people would call those more experience games as opposed to more strategy game. Uh, that's not exactly right, but there seems to be a shift in mm -hmm. some of your designs, going to a more, away from strict simulation to more game games. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes it does, Ed. Um, there is something of an evolution, and I remember sitting at a, I think it was a Tucson game convention in, in America, and uh, the first time the German games came, and this was a big event. It was a, apocalyptic, you might say. And, um, but I was impressed with a lot of elements of German gaming, and um, it seemed to make the games more accessible. But what I really liked about it, it made them faster, a bigger audience, I could accommodate more players. But what I really liked about it, from a simulation point of view, was that I could do um, more broad concepts, concepts that I was coming to believe in, concepts that, um, that I believe drive history. And um, I think that these are better represented in a, in a German game style than um, the multiplicity of chrome that you might find in a, oh, a typical war game or something like that. And um, so in this regard, I've picked areas uh, in history that I find really pivotal or significant. And I want to get down to the very essentials of uh, what they represent. In this new Pax Renaissance, I want to say, well, this is the birth of the modern world. This is how Western society got started. This is where capitalism had its first, first steps. Um, really, the way the world is now with um, its supermarkets and, and automobiles and the individual is king sort of thing, uh, or customer is king, well, that all started right here, you know, before there was serfs and warlords. And so <laughs> this is really important. I, I really need to represent this, and I really need to represent, well, what are the elements? The elements of force, the elements of trade, the first bankers, the first currency that was coming in. Oh, so much happened during the Renaissance. Um, it's not just paintings and stuff. Uh, the New World and Machiavelli and, um, well, the Inquisition and Reformation. Uh, oh, God. It, and trying to cram all these things. <laughs> right. I wanted, I wanted all these broad things represented in the game. And Pax Renaissance, oh, there's mayhem every turn. Um, uh, just the uh, crusades are riding, heads are rolling, and inquisitors are burning. There's peasant revolts and conspiracies, and God, this is happening every single turn. The players are international um, bankers, and things are sweeping. There's just vassals and things toppling. Uh, it's 
So it's a really crazy ride. The enthusiasm, I can see you just so animated and so excited oh, about the game. That's fantastic, especially considering been doing this now for four days. Oh, yes, four days <laughs> and about 40 years. Right, well, no doubt, no doubt. Well, anyway, I've taken enough of your time. I know you got to get back to your booth. So, Phil, thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thank you, Ed. And uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, next year and playing all the games that I was able to pick up from you uh, all right. during the con. Thanks a lot. All right.